if uh, this persists another, you know, three, six, nine months. We just need to keep looking ahead and getting that. Don't look at where we are, look at where we're going, which is, is something I learned from racing. You know, if you're, you're looking ahead in the car, you're probably going to crash or, or not go right fast. You got to look through the corner, see what's on the other side, see what's around the bend and aim for that target and not what's right ahead of you. All right, welcome back to Relocation Leader. I'm Zach Turbis. I'm here with Alex Talbot, the president of Interconics. And uh, Alex is here with us. Would you give a, a brief a description, a bio of, of yourself? Sure, thanks for having me. Really excited to have the opportunity here to, to do this and, and be a part of this. Uh, but with Interconics going on 20 years this year, as, as you mentioned, I'm, I'm the president uh, recently, president as of last week. And, um, but really, you know, Despite the title, I'm here, really here to work for everyone that's working right now, making the moves happen and, and making NEI look good and all our other clients look good and, and, and making our transferees happy. I've uh, been doing this for almost 35 years, which is really hard to, to say out loud, but uh, it was supposed to be a three-month summer gig, and here I am. So one day I'll get to my real job, but for now, this summer job continues. So getting into um, the current situation in uh the red sea uh could you just kind of lay out what what should we know what how did we get here kind of what's the the history been in that area and um you know like what's the what's the outlook look like um so right around the holidays right toward the end of the last year the um the hoodies uh started attacking um cargo vessels that were tra transiting the, the red sea and um, thought it was a one-off thing, and it just became an ongoing thing, and it's still ongoing today. They just attacked another ship yesterday, I believe, uh, with their, their missiles. And so um, the U.S. and U.K. have been launching counterattacks, uh, probably as we speak, it's happening. Um, and there's, and there's, not, there's no, it's not, it's not going away quickly. I think people thought it was going to be a little blip on the radar. You know, but they 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 have some pretty good funding. They have some um, cheap but effective weapons. You know, we're we're fighting. We're using two million dollar missiles to take out twenty thousand dollar drones. Um, so it's it's uh, it's it's you know, there's no there's nothing on the horizon right now that's showing that there's going to be an end to this. Um, and the impact is 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 you know as I put out on my newsletters, the longer this goes on, the bigger their impact because it just it has a, a chain chain reaction around around the globe, around the global shipping, and will eventually impact not just what we do with relocation, but even you know inflation, which is probably why the Fed has kind of quieted down on on the rate the rate cuts that they were talking about up just a month ago. So if this isn't going to end anytime soon. Um, in your industry, kind of what are people doing um, are for workarounds? Um, is it just changing routes or is there, um, is there other, other other solutions being talked about? It's, it's been, it's been the shipping lines who, who move these containers for us. They're, they've been, obviously they've had a, a routing changes for, especially for the Asia EU, EU lanes. 
you know, 30% of the world's cargo goes through the Suez Canal, which is at the top of the Red Sea. And now that that lane is closed, we're having to go going around South Africa, which adds about four weeks, three to four weeks of transit time uh, for a, a container, you know, for a ship going around, you know, going from Asia to, let's say, Rotterdam. Um, and so they're looking at other routings. You know, you could also go the other way, but there's also an issue with the Panama Canal where the uh, water levels are really low. So they've had to cut capacity back 30 to 40%. So there's really, you have two issues now in play. The, the Red Sea is obviously the bigger issue, but um, you know, as of like this week, we're hearing, you know, depending on who you ask in, in the shipping industry, uh, rates are anywhere between 131 and 173% up um, globally. Uh, the bigger impact again is felt between Asia and Europe, but even the West Coast rates now are up two times what they were uh, just a month ago. We're not up to the pandemic type of pricing we had, but it is a record high. You know, pre-COVID, there was nothing. You know, these are the highest rates we've seen. Um, is some of that volume uh, moving to like air freight? Or could you speak of maybe how some companies are, are managing, um, you know, their, their cost situation? We have not, you know, this is still a little fresh. Again, we thought it was going to be a blip on the radar. So I haven't seen any corporate clients make any changes with their policy. I think if this really does continue another 30, 60 days, they're probably going to switch to giving larger air allowances, doing more storage. You know, like if you're going on, if you're going on an assignment, you know, three-year assignment, they either sell your things or the things you really are precious to you, just keep them in storage at your home base. We'll give you a larger air shipment allowance. Um, provide longer-term uh, furniture rental. So those, those are some of the things we saw in the pandemic and uh, during the pandemic. And, and also some of those policies that started during the shipping crisis, which was, was triggered by the pandemic, some of those policies stayed with us. So we're seeing on average smaller shipments and, and you know, they, were, they were always going down, but the pandemic really fueled a further de decrease in average shipping size. Um, and as far as the shipping lines themselves, you know, they, they are trying, you know, more round um, options. But if you're looking like from the far east to the EU, you have the whole Ukraine situation. So it's not a smooth, it's not smooth sailing from, you know, across land either. Um, there's a driver shortage, which started with the, UK, the crisis in, in Ukraine, because a lot of the truck drivers in the EU and, and parts of in that region were Ukrainian or, or Eastern European, which are all have been involved in the conflict now for, I guess, two years now, right? Um, so there's a lot of friction for us uh, globally when it comes to shipping on a different moving pieces. Uh, the last thing on the Panama Canal, they, are, they have started a rail service. That's called the Panama Rail, cleverly named, um, to, to move some containers across that body of land. But again, if you think about it, you have to unload all the ships them onto the rail so it's just it's going to add time and and of course cost gotcha um so i'm curious just trying to understand where all the levers are um what are the different things that can affect the duration um and it sounds like there's more issues than just one um i imagine with the panama uh canal they're probably coming into their wet season so uh, maybe that one could clear up soon but um mm -hmm. sort of with uh, some of these some of these other issues, um, kind of how do you see them playing out uh, in the long term and, and what can affect 
uh, how long these struggles, you know, or how long we uh, have to maintain these these challenging situations. Really, I think the Red Sea situation will, is the biggest one. It's going to have the biggest impact. And again, the longer it goes, the bigger the, the impact. You know, hopefully um, it ends in the next, you know, in the, in the next few weeks or months, but we just we just don't know. So again, the longer it goes on, the bigger the impact, because what happens is it, it affects the positioning of the ships. The ships, just like airlines, route their planes, you know, they, they have this itinerary that's set out weeks or months in advance, especially with the, with the ships. Or so maybe it was supposed to go from the Far East to the EU and then on to the US or, you know, North America or South America. Um, and so now these ships are not where they thought they were going to be in time. They're going to be four and five weeks late. So it, the challenge is really setting expectations with the transferees, you know, trying to, you know, we finally, at the end of 2023, started getting back to more normalized transit times for the transferees and now our movement our global move specialists are really struggling with well this was taking six to eight weeks but now it can take you know eight to 15 to 16 weeks so that's what i think the corporate clients really need to be aware of and, and uh for each of these lanes you know we're trying to set these expectations up but maybe they should be asking you know make, if they have a move a pending relocation before they initiate the services maybe get an idea of how long, you know, what the current transit times are so they can have better information to make a better decision. Nice. Um, so as far as like escalations um, with uh, the Houthis, um, you know, I know that uh, Great Britain and, and um, or the UK and, and the US are uh, getting involved. Are there any other countries that are, are offering their help? I'm sure there are, but I haven't, you know, hasn't been on the headlines. Some of that stuff we have yeah. to dig a lot for. But I mean, at first, so earlier this week, it was just the U.S. and then I think last or maybe last week, but now they're mentioning the U.K. is involved as well. But, How is this impacting um, the shipping industry? Like, uh, from a from a cost standpoint, is this, um, you know, is this something that's manageable? Obviously, not, you know, long term, but. Um, kind of how is the shipping industry reacting to this? You know, when the pandemic shipping crisis happened, you know, in, in, in late 19 and early 20, when shipping shipping rates went through the, rate, through the roof because of the challenges with COVID impacting the ports and the port strikes and all these different things, you know, our clients paid, you know, five to 10 times higher freight costs. You know, and you did for, you know, going shopping for your kids at the store. We all we all felt that inflation. We all felt that pain driven by the supply chain issue of shipping. But if you watch, watch the news in 2020, 2021, 2022, the shipping lines had record-breaking profits every quarter. So that, you know, they, they were, they, the industry, and you read, you know, the news, uh, their headlines, you know, they were, they were feeling the pain of these reduced pricing because it became a competitive marketplace again. So honestly, this is probably great for the shipping lines because now they don't have to be as competitive. They can, you know, any cost to them, they pass on right away. They, there's, uh, for our, our industry and, and most, we, we use what's called, you know, spot, spot lane pricing, spot pricing. So it's, it's based on a real-time quote. You know, and that, the whole household goods industry is not shipping enough 
at one time where we're taking up a whole shift. If you look at like a major company, major re- the big, you know, think of the top five big retailers, you know, they're using, they could use a whole shift for some of, some of their goods. In fact, some companies like Home Depot and I think Target during the peak of the shipping crisis triggered by COVID, um, they started uh, getting their own vessels because they were tired of, you know, being hostage to the shipping lines and in terms of transit time and in terms of price. So they started chartering their own vessels to move their goods from the far, um, far east to, to the west coast uh, of you know North America. Um, so the you know they the shipping lines don't have you know we NEI and Interconics we we live for our surveys that we get from our transferees and, and from our clients and that feedback and we're very service driven you know own it you know the shipping lines don't own it. There's, the customer service levels are the are the exact opposite of what of what NEI and Interconics try to put out there day in and day out. Um, again, it's, it's they're more a captive audience, you know, unless you go to the, you know, so what happened during the pandemic is there was a switch to air freight, but then air freight got really costly and the airlines couldn't even deal with the capacity. They started switching passenger aircraft to freight with aircraft, literally taking out seats and just strapping down cargo. And in some airlines even strap the cargo into seats. If you look at look Google that on look for some images, you'll find them, but um, they just couldn't create the cargo space enough, you know, cargo capacity quick enough. And of course last year that they reversed that as passenger uh, travel resumed and cargo air cargo dropped, they started switching back to passenger. Now they're going to be going the other way again if this continues to go on. It's really it's it's to me, it's a fascinating to see all these moving pieces, you know, and we haven't even talked about, you know, um, some of the natural, the weather issues too, um, that are caused. There's been some crazy weather on the open seas. And so they're trying to get better about navigating the oceans. And then obviously, you know, we've seen here in the States and other parts of the world, some severe flooding and severe storms. Um, most of North America got hit by some pretty severe storms the past couple of weeks. Uh, so some of those ports get closed down, you know, so that creates an impact because the vessels can't come into the port and they can't leave the port. Uh, there's no work happens at the port. Last week you had freezing for them, not for us up here in the Midwest, but for them, some freezing weather in Houston. And that, you know, caused some some delays at the ports uh, and the terminals down there. So again, a lot of moving pieces involved here. Yeah, sounds like, you know, creating the clear lines of communication and expectations um, seem to be the way to go. Is there any other strategies that like mobility managers should be thinking about um, if uh, this persists another, you know, three, six, nine months? We just need to keep looking ahead and getting that, you know, don't look at where we are, look at where we're going, which is, is something I learned from racing. You know, if you're, if you're looking ahead in the car, you're, probably going to crash or, or not go right fast. You got to look through the corner, see what's on the other side, see what's around the bend and aim for that target and not what's right ahead of you. For, you know, and that's how our clients need to operate as well. They have these, they need to get ahead of these assignments. You know, we see uh, sometimes these last minute rush moves and, you know, trying to avoid that as much as possible now is really essential if they're looking to protect their company spend. Um, and make sure that they're relocating transferees have a better experience. It just can't stress that enough. You know, it's not just about the cost estimate, but you got to look at the whole picture. And and again, this is a very fluid fluid uh, situation. So keep track of the, the headlines. You know, the news. Stay stay tied into this if you're in this space. 
Um, and look ahead, and then yes, you have to, you know, if it gets to be out of hand and, and really, you know, if it's going to take, you know, 12 or 14 weeks to get the person's their goods, is it really worth moving all of it? Right. And, I, and of course, I don't like saying that because it impacts the amount of work that we do, but that is a reality. You really got to look at the, the big picture here. Um, and then again, decide infinite, infinite, and, and it's more challenging with permanent transfers, which has been a, a big increase over the past three to five years. You know, five years ago, there was a lot of three year assignments, and now they've kind of brought those down to more one way moves. So, you know, having storage left at, in, the, in the origin country is, is not as big as it used to be, but um, that might be something to start considering again if, again, if, if people don't want to get rid of certain things. Um, and a lot of companies, a lot of a lot of clients got rid of their firm storage allowances, but they may want to start looking at that, you know, in terms of bringing that back in uh, on, a, on a reduced level. I don't, I don't recommend storing everyone's household goods like their entire house in our warehouses here because typically they're gone for nine years and they don't want eighty percent of it back. So, uh, yeah, you no know, reason. Uh, so now would be a good time to review your policy. That's that's for sure. Nice. So uh, I was looking through uh, your your LinkedIn profile, and it sounds like that uh, you know, president of Interconics is not all you do. Um, I hear you're a race car driver. <laughs> you know, I, I, I've been racing. I, you, I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for racing. I think uh, because when I was in my early twenties and I was in the moving business, I worked for a moving and storage company uh, for uh, a big agency, and um, I was into cars and I was into racing, and I was, you know not making a lot of money and I just wanted to make more money so I could buy more racing parts and pay my more entry fees. So I really created this hunger to learn more about the business. So I, I would punch out of my job, still, you know, time clock days, and I'd sit with the dispatchers for three hours, three, four hours, and just help them finish their day up. And so I could learn more about the industry. And so, you know, Finally, they realized, like, why are you sitting here for free? And, you know, so they started training me officially to, to move up through the ranks. And that's really for the first five to six years. That's my motivation, to be, if I'm honest, uh, was just to get more funding for racing. And uh, and that's, I believe, why I'm here today. Uh, thank, you know, unfortunately, you know, thankfully, a lot of success has come from that, which I'm very grateful for. Um, but I don't get to race as much anymore between interconics. And my, I have five children. Um, you know, I, I maybe get out once or twice a year now. Yeah. What do you like yeah. to drive? Anything that I can get my hands on. Anything. <laughs> get my hands on. You know, I've raced, uh, raced Miatas, the Corvettes, and I've been on uh, twenty-five racetracks on four continents. So I think now at this point, I'm getting older. The young young people are are pretty fast. Have a little better reflexes than I do. So right now, I'm into more experiences, experiencing new tracks that I've never experienced before uh, and, and different cars too, that I, you know, different types of layouts. And just like I said, anything I get my hands on and um, a new track experience is always ideal. Nice. And the fastest you've ever driven is? 190. Wow. Or 185, sorry. 185. Yeah, I think I've, uh, gotten up to like maybe a hundred or so, but, um, yeah, I can't even imagine what that would feel like. It's very calming. If I'm honest, my peaceful place. Really? Yeah. yeah. You don't have time to think about your kids. You don't have time to think about our or our great clients. Like any, yeah, you just got to focus on 
feet on the guy behind you, staying ahead of him. Uh, if there's someone in front of me, I guess trying to catch them and get past them and, and staying alive. Those are the things you're really focused on. So on Relocation Leader, we like to uh, not just give you know updates or a, a greater view of, of relocation and the business um, you know aspects of kind of what we do with relocation, but we want to sort of prepare prepare you know professionals for advancement within their career. And so I think it's it's really cool. We want to c- congratulate you on um, you know your new promotion to president of Interconics. I was wondering if you could kind of give um, you know maybe a, a synopsis of um, your career path as far as like some of the traits and skills that you've relied on to get where you're at. And, um, if you could just kind of, uh, explain, you know, to our audience, um, maybe it's just some, some helpful, uh, tips on kind of what, what they can do to, um, think about their own career and especially in relocation. I think just to be curious and to be hungry about other things, you know, I started in the movie business and I was there for six years. Uh, and in the mid nineties, uh, the relocation companies were really starting to come up and, and quite honestly, they were making my life a bit tough because I was working, we had so much volume due to these relocation companies that I was working, you know, 13, 14 hours a day, every day. And I'm like, what is, what is this? And so I actually, uh, left the moving industry and went to work for a relocation company for a couple of years and to, to learn about the other aspects of, of mobility, uh, ended up coming back to the moving space and Although we do domestic, you know, the focus more on international. Um, but just to be curious, you know, uh, there's there's webinars like this or a podcast like this. There's webinars, there's classes through Worldwide ERC. You know, uh, just that's free content, and it may you may find something that sparks an interest um, in yourself to give you the hunger to you know to learn more about it and dive into it. You know, just be curious, and then be helpful. You know, I think uh, yes, you know, the presidents of hard to believe for me from where I started that I'm here, but, you know, uh, myself and my the retired president, my former, my former partner, Chris Meyer, you know, for the past 18 years, we've run Interconics together and we work for them. We work for the team and not the other way around, you know, like we're, our role is to give them the tools they need to be successful. So I think helping, you know, I can go back to when I was helping dispatch when I was a kid, uh, just offer, offer to help other people and not just, um, and if you don't want to do it just to be a good person, do it for selfish reasons, like like I was, you know, just to learn more, so I can figure out what's the best path, what relates to me, what you know, what do I enjoy? Um, and the more diversified you are, I mean, I could forty feet over there. There's a forklift, and I am the forklift driver here. So, you know, being able to do anything and everything really gives you um, adds value to to your resume, obviously. And and I have. Pretty much done just about everything you could do in, in, in the moving and storage industry. Um, and even again, some time with the RMC. I earned my CRP, I think in 1996, um, certified, certified relocation professional designation, and I have my GMS. And, you know, there's a, a marketing aspect to those, but really the education you get from those certifications is invaluable. And really, if you're in, you know, working on title or mortgage or household goods or or immigration to learn about all these other aspects. And that's what I, 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 I don't go to the local conferences much anymore, but I do try to have the team go so they can just get exposure to what our corporate clients are, are worried about. They're not just worried about household goods. We're such a small sliver of what's going on in a transfer's world and on your account executives table. Right? So even though it seems like a big deal to us, it's just one 
small piece. And it also helps us, you know, have some sympathy or empathy for the transferees. You know, I've had, had a coordinator come to me uh, a long time ago uh, saying that his transfer won't stop crying. I'm like, what is she crying about? The kids' DVDs went into the into the sea ship and not the airship. And I'm like, I'll take the call, but I promise you, that's not what she's crying. You know, it, it's about all the, the other pressures. And, and so just getting that understanding, like that macro view is, is really essential. Nice. I'm curious, you know, you, you kind of reminded me of, of just like, um, with the stories, do you, do you have any stories of kind of, um, crises, you know, shipping crisis or something like that in the past that you guys have overcome? And do you want to share, um, a little bit about, um, how you guys have been resilient in the past and what you did? I think, you know, I'm not trying to, this isn't a placed question or a place response, but you know, we the own it philosophy we we are very much the same way we, we that is our culture things happen we give us enough moves i i i do a lot of best and final presentations with our clients and and year interviews and i always tell our people like look give us enough moves i promise you we're going to break something and i promise you we're going to upset one of your transfers but we're going to own it we're going to let you know before anyone else the biggest failure we can ever have is is having a client blindsided by something we did if if your client or, or any of yourselves hear about it from someone other than us, there's not a bigger feel. I don't get a pretty level, even keel, but that is something that I become irrationally upset about because it's just communication is what we control 100%. Um, so as long as everyone has embraces that, like, hey, I, I, I made a mistake and here's, you know, here's the, just owning it as soon as possible really helps you clean things up a lot quicker and you just be very transparent put your cards on the table of all the key players involved, whether it be the transferee, whether it be our client, uh, whether it be our partner, you know, and hey, we we messed up. Can we work together to solve this? And and whatever it is, it is, you know, maybe it costs us, you know, more than five or 10 moves worth of revenue, but so what? You know, we're in this for the long haul. Interconics has been around since 1969. We've had partners for decades. We've had employees for decades and, and, and partners for decades and, and it's a marriage, right? And so you got to be just like at home or, you, know, you got to be open and transparent and just take your ego out of it, you know, <laughs> and listen. Um, so, but yeah, we, I mean, there's, I'm trying to think of a crazy, I think you're looking for a crazy shipping story. I, I think there's many, but one of, one of my favorites is uh, we had a shipment that was going from Australia to Alaska and it was on a major carrier. Like think of three carriers as one of the three you just thought of. And um, it got stuck. It got lost somewhere between San Francisco and Alaska. And so we're, we're pressuring the airline, pressuring the airline, trying to get answers and they don't know what happened to it. And these are two big containers, uh, larger, like very, very large air shipments for a high level energy client transferee. And so I jokingly sent an email, hey, I'm gonna be going to the Bay Area, Bay Area next week for work for a conference. So if you want, I'll stop by the airport like the cargo of this airline and then ask for it and, and I, I get landed SFO I grabbed my rental car and I had to wait for my sales guy and I went to the cargo desk at SFO I said hey can you help me find this shipment and first of all it took me like 10 minutes to get someone finally this person this woman and never forget she was wearing like a, a sweat a hoodie and some jeans I wasn't sure she worked there I'm like hey can you help me with this she's like oh let me check and she left me she was not she was not I almost left because she had not come back but I just waited and she came back just as I was about to go. And she's like, yeah, they're here. I'm like, what do you mean they're here? She's like, they're, they're out there. 
like what? You know, I was told blown away by that. Turns out that um, they were original. The, the flight was initially covered by a Boeing seven fifty seven for this this route, and they had switched the service to using a seven thirty seven. Well, the, the pieces we had fit through the doors of a 757, but would not fit in the door of a 737. So every night for this flight, they tried to load it on the 737 and it wouldn't fit. And it just round and round and round for three weeks back and forth. Wow. And, I mean, this is dumb luck. I would love to say it's interconic skill or greatness, but no, it's just, and so sometimes, and I say this in racing, sometimes better to be lucky than good. And, um, you know, I just, and that, and that culture was a lesson too. Like we just can't, you just can't accept the answers you get all the time. You know, we tell the team all the time, question everything. Even if it's me telling you something, I've been doing this for 35 years. Guess what? I'm still making mistakes. I'm still learning every day. So if you think I'm saying something that doesn't make sense, question me. And if you some reason don't want to do that, then have someone question someone else about me. You know, but, uh, you know, just question everything. Because if, if, if something's not right and we build on that, that's the foundation. Everything will fall down eventually. So we got to find those cracks. We got to, you know, be better smoke detectors, find the smoke before the fire. Cause you want to spit out fires all day. That's not fun. Um, nice. So I'm, I'm curious then before we let you go, mm-hmm. um, could you give me a handful of questions that, you know, mobility managers should be asking themselves um, about the, the path ahead? What is the end game for the people that are moving? You know, how, how long is that assignment going to be? What's, you know, really, again, looking looking as far as far ahead as possible. What's really important to that transfer? Is it a single person who doesn't have a lot of single young, you know, single person who's that married to a lot of things or even married? Um, you know, what are the needs and, and what what are the personal needs of that transfer and what are the business needs um, for the you know why why are we doing this relocation? You know, what is the what is the purpose of it? What is the short term need, short term goal, and then the long term goal? And then I think that'll help people map, map out, you know, that, that, that comes back to a lot of our, our clients in mobility are not tied or integrated that well into talent, which we've been talking about, I think, for a decade now. So that, you know, from the top, they need to integrate talent management and mobility so we can really have these high-level conversations and these long, you know, forward-looking discussions about, you know, what is what are the goals? What's the short-term goal? What's the long-term goal? And and you know, map map it all out. I think it's really uh, important. And then and look at the cost, you know, if, if and the benefit, you know, if it's going to take a long time to get the goods there, what are some other options? And 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 why don't we talk to the transferee or the assignee or, or whatever? You know, what what's important to you? Be transparent with them with what the challenges are. Look, you know, your goods right now could take you know 14 weeks to get there. In lieu of that, we could, uh, you know, give you a check for this. You know, uh, just look at, think out of the box. Don't keep following the same things that we've always done. Now, the ownership of the company is probably going to be sorry. You have celebrated for saying that, so I'll make sure they don't see this. But uh, <laughs> not trying to throw away business here. But um, yeah, he's trying to be helpful, right? Absolutely. Yeah, not self-service. Correct. Nice. Well, we want to thank you again, Alex, uh, for coming on Relocation Leader. And again, congratulations on uh, the promotion to president. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Very honored to be be a part of this. And congrats on your new podcast. I know it's going to do really well. Uh, everything you guys do goes well. So uh, thank you so much for having me and the All time. Right. See ya. Bye.